0: The other day, all of us found out what we suspected. The price of food is going up. News story began this way. If a trip to the grocery store seems expensive now, just wait until 2016. Don't have to wait anymore. It's here. Executives from grocery chains have warned there's no immediate relief in sight from increased food costs and a sinking loony that have led to higher prices, and researchers suggest consumers will have to deal with more sticker shock in the years ahead. The University of Guelph's Food Institute estimates the average Canadian household spent an additional $325 on food this year. On top of that, consumers should expect an additional annual increase of about $345 in 2016. Seven foods that are going to cost you more. Meats going up 25 to 4.5%. Fish and seafood going up to 3%. Buy up to 3%. Dairy and eggs, buy up to 2%. Grains, buy up to 2%. Fruit and nuts, 2.5 to 4.5% increase. Vegetables, 2% to 4%. Fruit from restaurants, 1.5 to 35 And overall food expenditures, 2 to 4% going up. We're going to find out later on in the hour how that affects food banks. When Gail Nyberg joins us, she's the executive director of the Daily Bread Food Bank, the largest one in the country. She, that's in Toronto. But with me now to speak about this is Professor Sylvain Charlebois from the Food Institute at the University of Guelph, where they made that particular... It's not a prediction. I mean, it's, This isn't... It's not a prediction. This is a forecast. There's a, Professor Charlebois, there's a difference, huh? Forecast prediction?
1: Well, I mean... <laughs> semantics? You know, I would say that <laughs> forecast would require some sort of scientific method. And uh, so we actually uh, have developed over the years an economic... Econometric model, which gives us a sense of what may happen in the future, but we do have a panel of experts. Uh, we have a geographer, someone who specializes in hospitality. Uh, we have about seven or eight people around the table looking at uh, what uh, our model is saying to us, and based on that, and based on what we think may happen over the next 12 months uh, related to climate, macroeconomics, and then we make our prediction. So I guess one goes with the other.
0: Sounds fairly scientific to me. Well, Um,
1: it's not. It's it's Obviously, the more data we incorporate into the model, the more precise it becomes. So this is our sixth year, and we've actually never been wrong uh, in terms of relative increases, uh, what really threw us off in 2015 was how low the looting went. We didn't predict the looting to go as low as it did.
0: So is it, uh, the price is going up because of economic factors, climate factors, e- external factors, or as I've been seeing again in commentary that's re- been sent to me at RoyGreenShow.com over the last several days, Greed. People saying, wait a second, it's just companies putting up the price. Somebody Actually, I saw this more than once. They own the process from the farm to the shelf in the grocery store. And now that they own the process, they can do whatever they want with the price in the grocery store. That's some of the thinking out there, and I know that doesn't take you by surprise. <laughs>
1: well, I we obviously, we don't have any evidence of greed. Uh, it's always difficult to uh, capture any evidence related to greed at all. But let me one thing though when it comes to processing uh, or food processing rather in this country we have lost over 140 uh, food manufacturing plants in in our country 28,000 jobs Uh, so that's a lot of jobs that we've lost and and that would provide some sort of sovereignty and control over over prices but obviously now we are importing a lot of different products that we uh, historically have Process domestically, but we don't we don't do it uh, any longer. I can think of uh, the Heinz plant in Leamington, the Kellogg plant in London. I can go on and on and on. There are many examples of of value-added products that were manufactured domestically, but now we actually are highly vulnerable to currency fluctuation as a result of these closures. So,
0: That's are important. we are we taking are we taking the raw materials? Are we taking the food that we? produce in Canada, and exporting that food for processing and then at the mercy of the processor and and the dollar and the economic variables as to what it is we're going to end up paying when it it comes back to us. Is that what's happening or not?
1: Well, there's lots of examples uh, justifying what you just said. Let me use mustard, a very simple example for your listeners to understand. Saskatchewan is the largest producer of mustard grains in the world. The largest exporter of mustard grains in the world. We export it to the U.S. and other parts of the world, and we import it back 20 times the price into a bottle. So that, that actually increases on the vol- our vulnerability towards towards currency fluctuations.
0: Whereas previously we had domestic control because we grew the stuff and we processed the stuff here. Absolutely. So that's so,
1: one piece of the. Puzzle. So who thought it? Who? The saw other piece, who? of course, uh, related to the permeable uh, greed comment, is is with distributors. Uh, distribution. We all know that uh Loblaw, Metro and Subway's aren't doing very well financially. Uh, they actually did did have a, a very good year in 2015, but that is due uh, mostly because the food distribution landscape is a little bit less competitive than it used to be actually just a few years ago with the arrival of Target, for example. The arrival of Target disturbed the peace in the food industry, but now Target left, and all three major food distributors are highly committed to their own strategy, so they're they're consolidating consolidating their position in the marketplace, and, of course, they are trying to increase their margins, but... Uh, Do remember that in food distribution, they're trying to protect very, very low margins. For example, Loblaw generates about $10 billion worth of business, but uh, it barely uh, generates $100 million in profits. So you have to generate a lot of revenues to generate just a few dollars of profit in that business.
0: Yeah, and I just repeated what I saw in emails. There's perception and then there's reality. Can you stay with us a few minutes longer? Sure, absolutely. Okay, we'll take a break and we're going to come back with uh, Professor Sylvain Charlebois from the Food Institute of the University of Guelph. And we'll talk about some of the specific foods that are going up and by how much and the impact it'll have on all of us. Uh, There's also a great deal of waste going on in this country when it comes to food. And it's food that's in our refrigerators And we take it directly from the refrigerator, not to the microwave or to the oven for reheating. No, it goes directly from the refrigerator to the garbage. Stick around. Your food budget, it's going up. It's going up considerably, $345 for the average Canadian family this year. And it was already up $325 in 2015. That's from the Food Institute of the University of Guelph. Professor Sylvain Charlebois joins us from the Food Institute at the University of Guelph, where they've made these predictions or projections now for the last six years. Professor Charlebois, I was at a grocery store the other day, and I was looking at a, at a nice steak. That was 24 bucks, $24 for one steak. I thought, I'll pay $24 if I'm in a restaurant, have ambiance, and some side dishes, but not if it's, uh, you know, in a styrofoam covered in, in plastic. Um, well, what's happening to the price of meat?
1: Well, it, a, a couple of things. Uh, for one, uh, beef prices have gone up 30% as a result of depressed inventories. Uh, lots of cattle producers, particularly in the U.S., have uh, gotten rid of their herds, uh uh sooner rather than later, just basically to save, uh, save uh, money on, on input uh, to feed cattle, basically. And uh, as a result, that was maybe a couple of years ago, but it, take, it, it, it does take time to rebuild inventories in, in the cattle business. And uh, we expect 2016 to be more of a stable year. And we are, so we are expecting beef prices to continue to increase, but very moderately compared to the last couple of years, so 2 to 4%. Pork was hit by a, um, a virus, a, a major virus across North America, which really affected uh, the North American herd uh, over 2014 and 2015. Things have stabilized since then. And you are dealing with a very uh, a smaller production cycle in in, uh, in hog production, so it's much easier for hog producers to uh, to get back to uh, replenish inventories. So pork is under control, uh, but beyond that, I would say that when it comes to food inflation and meat prices, uh, it you're dealing with some sort of a contagious <laughs> phenomena. Uh, if one Uh, meat actually goes up uh, often. uh, Others actually do follow because one meat, one kind of meat will compete against another kind of meat, and that's why um, uh, meat prices have been affected. Uh, Although there are exceptions, uh, I mean, I don't know if your listeners are into horse meat, for example. Horse meat actually is quite cheap still, and that's a great source of protein. That's one thing. Ostrich, bison are all specialty meats that have been um, and I've seen their prices quite stable the last uh, couple of years. Chicken has been stable, 1% uh, to 3% there over the last few years, so that's that's certainly uh, a comfort place to go for, for consumers looking for bargains.
0: Okay, so we're going to have to be willing, if we want to eat meat and want to pay a reasonably stable price, we're going to have to be willing to consider other types of meats that we might have shied away from in the past. Talk to us, please, about... The amount of waste that goes on in uh, in Canadian families throwing out food fifteen hundred dollars a year on average in food product wasted yeah. true
1: absolutely you, if you, if you become a better inventory manager and you're you're uh, conscious of of how much food waste you generate as as a family or as a household uh, you can actually easily offset. Uh, uh, food cost increases uh, over the next 12 months if you're just a little bit more careful uh, we, we're just finishing off the holiday season and uh, i'm sure that many of your listeners would recognize that uh, we've wasted a lot of food over the last 10 days or so because we we host people we want to uh, uh indulge a little bit more and but at the end of the day sometimes if you end up uh, just preparing too much food or buying too much of it. So if you're a little more careful about uh, how how much you buy at the grocery store, you don't show up hungry, <laughs> for example, <laughs> that, that helps. Uh, you will save some money on, on that just by being more careful with uh, with how you actually prepare food and manage food at home. Or
0: use your freezer, right? Use your freezer yeah. periodically. Freeze the stuff, and then Almost eat it later.
1: Half, half of the food we waste. Across the supply chain uh, is is the result of consumers not uh, being uh, careful with what they buy.
0: Yeah, if if yeah. the neighbor if the neighborhood's dogs are hanging around your garbage can right now, there's a problem, and it's not that's the a, dog's problem. Exactly, that's a
1: good point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are pulses? I mean, I, I read the news story, and I'm and I, I I like to think I know a little bit about a few things. What are pulses?
1: Well, what are pulses? Uh, so pulses we're supposed to eat more uh, probably pulses. mean little to most most of us, but if I mention uh, lentils or chickpeas, it may actually mean something to, yes. uh, to some. And so, 2016 is the International Year of Pulses, and it is so appropriate for the FAO to to go in that direction because uh, obviously uh, pulses can provide a great source of protein, particularly for consumers with less means and. Obviously, the FAO has a global perspective on food issues. But when you, if, if you go back to, to us, to Canada, uh, there are many consumers who just can't afford uh, a steak on a barbecue. Uh, and so right. uh, lentils, chickpeas, could provide a great source of of, uh, of, of, of of protein. So if you want to save some money on steak, perhaps it's time for you to consider a lentil soup.
0: I didn't buy that steak, by the way. You <laughs> didn't, eh? I didn't it buy it.
1: Twenty-four dollars. Have you actually looked at the price of
0: cauliflower these days? Cauliflower, dollars a piece. Cauliflower. Cauliflower. Yeah, I know. I yeah. did. I looked. Actually, I did because my dogs like cauliflower. I do too, and I tend to now and then I buy something that I know that I can give them some, some something off because I think they ought to have some vegetables because they're omnivores. And I looked, and I had to look three times at the price of cauliflower and broccoli. Yeah. There are, there are things that do
1: happen uh, in the fruit and, and vegetable section that are a little bit silly sometimes. And if you're careful and you watch, if you really, really study prices carefully, you can actually get some good bargains. For example, cauliflower, organic cauliflower right now is cheaper than conventional cauliflower.
0: huh it organic does stuff. From time to time. Wow! Tell me this. Uh, we have about a uh, have about a minute, Doctor Charlebois, Professor Charlebois. Are, are are people going to get hurt? We'll, well, when do we reach the point where the increase, projected increase, and in the family, the average family's budget is going to start hurting people? Or are we already well, there?
1: It, it all depends on on the big the big economic picture. Uh, I mean, there's nothing wrong with food prices going up. Uh, our salaries going up. And that's the problem right now because we're dealing with a an inflation rate of barely one percent. GDP growth is not there to support uh, food inflation. Um, but do keep in mind that Canada or Canadians actually do have access to to one of the cheapest food baskets in the world, after the United States and Singapore. We are third. So in the grand scheme of things, we're not doing s- too badly. The the problem, of course, that Canadians just They just look down south in the U.S. and compare prices, and that's, that's sometimes that's when games are they feel they feel cheated because yeah you do prepared. you do yeah you but do in a grand scheme no of question we're not doing too so badly
0: uh, but then now you're dealing with a forty percent exchange rate so if you go buy your food at, in a at a U.S. grocery store you're going to add forty percent so it's not it's not the bargain that a lot of people think Dr. Charlebar, thank you very much for the time good talking to you again
1: happy new year
0: happy new year to you Bye-bye. Professor Sylvain Charlebois from the Food Institute at the University of Guelph.